BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. My guest is my partner in crime from the hideout first Tuesdays, Mick Dumpke, ProPublica investigative reporter and expert on absolutely everything. All right, ready? <laughs> we're gonna do, of course. Yeah, we're going to do uh, things a little differently. The more, the more obscure the topic, the better, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. And don't, we're not going to, we're going to try to refrain from going into 1970s rock and roll music. We're going to stay focused. <laughs> or, or the Bulls draft position. Uh, right? yeah. uh, that's painful. Sorry. Very man. painful. Sorry. Uh, we will not be discussing the Bulls at the moment. Uh, instead, what we're going to do, instead of me uh, asking, make a question, I'm I'm going to throw out a topic, and Mick is going to respond. I'm going to respond. Why are we doing this? Because this is what Mick and I do pretty much every Saturday or Sunday when we talk on the phone. We used to do this every day yeah. when we were both working at The Reporter. Now we have jobs. <laughs> well, I still work at The Reporter. You were... We had jobs then, too, yeah. but we now have jobs that uh, we're, on, well, we're on more deadlines. Our, us, no, our job was to talk to each other. That's true. Our job was to do stories together. We worked together. I edited your column for many years. <laughs> yeah. You gave me feedback on, on my feature stories, so... Uh, we don't have that as official excuse, but yet we still continue to do this. So here we are. All right, here we are. And so uh, number one list on the item. Uh, number I, one. <laughs> I didn't mean I reversed that. I've been here at number one list on the item. I'm like, I've been talking a lot today. All right, here we go. Lessons for police reform. Rahm Emanuel is on his I'm getting out of town tour, but I want everybody to like me. Uh, and this is an essay he wrote for the New York Times. Lessons for police reform is the name of the essay. Uh, Mick, I, uh, my position, this is the single most dishonest thing that Mayor Rahm Emanuel has ever written or has ever f- come under his byline. We don't really know who writes these essays. Uh, what's your general thoughts on this essay? Well, first of all, for the last couple or several months, it's been like a funeral where one of those funerals you go to where everybody just talks about all the good things about this person who you know was so very deeply flawed. But all right, he's or she is gone, so let's just focus on the good thing. Except now it's a political funeral, and the person leading the discussion is the person whose political funeral we're having. Yes. It's it's strange. So my thoughts on the column are, why are you picking on Baltimore? Yeah, okay. That's yeah. the first thought. <laughs> uh, let me just set it up a little more than I did there, but you're right. It's an essay where he uh, is giving advice as the outgoing mayor of the city of Chicago what Baltimore could do and other big cities right. could do to uh, foster better relations between police and black communities. Mayor Rahm is giving advice that is on this issue. I say it's uh, that's why I say it's the single most dishonest uh, piece of propaganda he's ever issued. What's your thought? Was it more dishonest than the piece he wrote for the Atlantic in which he boasted <laughs> about not giving any public funds to well-connected uh, and, and wealthy entities uh, right after the Lincoln Yards vote? Wait, was that the Atlantic that he did that or was that the one where he was... This one was in the Atlantic. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was the one where he was chiding Rocky Wirtz in well, that Cranes, was in Cranes, where he said uh, that, what do you want, crony capitalism? We don't believe in giving out money to uh, corporations. Oh, you're just right. You're right. That was, in, that was in Cranes. I'm getting a mixed you're up. You're getting the, your the wrong one in the Atlantic was where, he was, where he was t- t- chastising the media for not doing more in-depth <laughs> reporting. The guy who has used thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of taxpayer funds to fight off FOIA requests was giving us advice about how to uh, question political candidates. Yes. Uh, so, Ben, I don't know. There's a, a lot of competition. Lot I'm of not competition. willing to say that as the single most dishonest people under his uh, piece, under his byline. All right. Well, here's this one point uh, I uh, I got to alert you 
two. He says, uh, the question for the two cities, so uh, it's Baltimore. He's giving advice to Baltimore. Has not been whether to reform the police departments. It's whether the police are the sole targets of reform or teammates in that effort. From the beginning, I contended that without buy-in from police officers, it would be impossible to make progress in creating safer streets and a more accountable police force. Mick Dumkey, I have seen no evidence whatsoever that Mayor Rahm, let's see, in his first term, uh, ever gave anything like a thought to this issue of how how to get police officers to work in conjunction with representatives of the black community to foster better relations, to foster better community policing. As my understanding, my memory is that it was the, the forced release of the Laquan McDonald video, which occurred already in his second term. That's correct. In uh, November of 2015, Thanksgiving, as I recall, because you had to write a story about it. Uh, I had to write a story about it. My holidays that year were full of uh, stories uh, from related to the fallout of the release of that video. And um, I think I, I escaped it Thanksgiving weekend, but um, Christmas Eve, I was in the office writing a deadline story about the release of, I think, emails, uh, emails yeah. or something. No, that was uh, audio recordings um, of, of a police shooting. And then there was, um, of course, uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day I spent um, writing about the release of, of emails. So uh, you're right about everything you're saying. You are correct. It, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I, I remember before the Laquan McDonald um, uh, videotape, before we knew uh, this young man's name, uh, when Rahm Emanuel cut funding for community policing within the police department. Um, and uh, there's still no direction for community policing in Chicago. It's talked about, but there is no real direction. He never revitalized it. No one, it depends on, uh, cap meetings, the frequency of them was cut back. Uh, they used to be every month and every beat. Now they're every couple months um, in a lot of places. So, uh, yes, this is disingenuous. Yes, yeah, it's a very disingenuous indeed. And so uh, my question, always question is, what is Ram up to with this? He writes an essay that's so filled with if, distortions, misrepresentations, untruths. I hate to say the word lie because that gets in the whole messy issue with, with a lie. And it's just, I'll just leave those uh, where are bad enough <laughs> as it is. Uh, so what is Ram's intention? My position is that Ram's intention uh, is to completely rewrite his history as mayor of the city of Chicago to prepare himself for whatever is next uh, on his in his career so that uh, he can weigh in as an expert on absolutely everything affecting cities uh, without having being held accountable for what he actually did. That's my position. I, my position is... Uh only different from yours in a couple with a couple of tweaks okay. is that um, he's trying to rewrite portions of his time here. Um, there are other things he's going to to brag about um, that that may have actually happened. But I also think uh, didn't he sign a book deal? So I think his book deal was about how cities are leading the way uh, as Washington is paralyzed by division. Cities are leading the way. So he has a book deal. These are chapters or these are subjects of chapters in his book. That is my prediction. And that he will, yes, use this book as uh, to propel himself into whatever uh, the next phase of his political career will be. Oh, my God. So now that leads to the question, which one of us will be saddled with the obligation of reading that book? <laughs> Who's it going to be? We have to flip uh, a coin. We're going to have to draw straws. <laughs> oh my which chapter do you want? By the way, did you ever read his brother's book? I've read the brother's you, book. No, I Brothers Emanuel. No. I actually wrote a book review of I know, it. No, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't realize this. No, uh, but I, that I, explains um, it. I read the biography of, of Richard Daly. We, we've, oh, through the years, Ben, we've kind of divvied this stuff up. I wrote, I wrote a review of Blagojevich's book. Um, you wrote, oh, that's uh, right. you wrote the uh, review of the New Yorker article on Mayor Daly and yes. the waning days of Mayor oh, Daly. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, we, we've, we've kind of uh, drawn straws for these assignments through the years. All right. The closing quote from Rom's essay, which I can see, and that'll be the closing quote, uh, the, closing part of the chapter in his book on police reform. By the way, if anybody takes any advice from Mayor Rahm on police reform, you're making a big mistake. Here's the closing 
uh, the closing sentence or two, Mick. We need to move past the false choice of being. I love this when he sets it up like somebody's got it wrong and right. he's going to correct them. So, Mayor, to quote Dennis, I'm well, you're, smart. You're with you're him, not, yeah, or to quote uh, W. Bush, George W. Bush, you're either with us or against us. It's a present, presentation of a false choice, and you can only side with Ron given this. Exactly. Choice. So, here comes the false choice. Uh, we need to move past the false choice of being anti reform or anti police. If that's uh, if though, as if those are the only options, actually, they're not the only options. You could do what you did, Rob, for the first five years, which is ignore the whole issue, but whatever. By listening to rank and file officers and residents, Chicago has embraced an alternative path with promising results. I find this really hard to stomach um, on two levels. One, the level of the police officers, and one, the level of ordinary citizens in Chicago. Um, the, the current police union uh, is really, they're like in complete and utter opposition to anything remotely resembling quote-unquote reform. And so the notion that Mayor Rahm has listened to rank-and-file police officers and brought them in to the discussion and the conversation is completely misleading. The police, right now, the Fraternal Order of Police is battling pretty much every single stipulation that uh, the consent decree is ordering Chicago to follow. And so this notion that we have this Shangri-La here in the city of Chicago where the Fraternal order of police and the rank of faculty, you know, yeah, we really want to reform and change. Mick is absolutely preposterous. It is preposterous. I don't think that in the time I've lived here, there has been a greater division between the police union um, and uh, people in communities and not just the activists who are far to the left. I just think that there seems to be a real divide. The police union, at least in its rhetoric, has um, gotten more conservative over the last couple years. There's no doubt about that, but certainly more antagonistic uh, from both sides. There's just very little tolerance from both sides, and we're headed to a showdown. Basically, what Rahm has done is he's shoveled this off on the next administration. Lori Lightfoot is going to be in a very difficult task. I don't think the police... They don't have a contract. No, they right do now. not have a contract. So she's going to have this extraordinarily difficult uh, job of trying to come up with a contract that uh, the city will agree to, that the police union will agree to, amid this uh, situation where there's just this huge division. And so that is one of the legacies of Rahm's time as mayor. And and he is spitting the exact opposite legacy. Yeah. And now, uh, all right, here Mick Dumkey is. Uh, have, has the New York Times, the New York Times in need, have they done uh, a disservice to all of journalism by allowing Rom to write this? Or do you think because this is on the op-ed page, it's somehow or other uh, permissible? Well, that's one of the eternal questions, isn't it? <laughs> of, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's on the op-ed page, uh, let it fly. But um, these, uh, ideally, they would be soliciting one of the many available alternative viewpoints, uh, not just run Rom's viewpoint and not just run little tiny bullet point uh, letters or emails they get in response, but uh, they probably, I think this is what we would call a journalistic malpractice. Shame, shame, shame on the New York times. All right. Moving on to number two in the list. Speaking of shame, shame, shame. (laughs) Thank you Chicago for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, the mayor Rom. I think that's at. Uh, I can't remember which victory party that was. I can't now. I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one. All right. Uh, the parking meter deal, Mick, is uh, a scandal that never goes away. Uh, and today's Sun Times, as we speak, it is. Uh, what is today? Today is Thursday. Today's Sun Times has an article uh, which Lori Lightfoot is talking about, hoping uh, to alter the much maligned parking meter deal. And um, they retrieve a quote from <laughs> Rahm Emanuel about how he 
turned a lemons into lemonade. Uh, Mick Dumkey knows more about parking meter deal than any man alive uh, other than Clint Christlove. Uh, so <laughs> when you see that, uh, Rob... And I've spent hours, by the way, with Clint, Clint Christlove uh, going over the parking meter deal. So, uh, uh, yes, but I will I will uh, grant your point that he is... Um, he, of course, he, is the there's, lawyer. There's no one else who yeah. knows this more than Clint. Yeah, he sued the city. All right, let's talk about that. Uh, the parking meter deal is probably the most despised legacy from Mayor Daley's regime, and we'll get into that a little later. Uh, and Mayor Rahm could have done something with the parking meter deal, but instead, Mick, what did he do? He locked the deal in place. That's the succinct version. Um, the the uh, slightly less succinct version is that, uh, you're right, Clint Krisloff, on behalf of uh, some citizens brought a lawsuit that challenged the legality of the deal. And um, rather than uh, let the lawsuit proceed, uh, the city decided to join the parking meter company and fight the lawsuit. Um, Rahm's lawyers, the city's lawyer, our lawyers, um, <laughs> under the direction of the mayor, basically said they were obligated to under the contract. But the whole point is if you're challenging the contract, then... Uh, why do you why are you acknowledging that this is a legal part of the contract? I don't know. This is in the realm of lawyers. The bottom line is the city decided under Rom decided to fight this lawsuit contesting the legality of the meter deal. And then Rom turned around and negotiated some tweaks to the deal. And uh, the city council once again dutifully signed off on the new deal, which um, legal people have told you and I makes it very much more difficult for anybody else ever to try to crack the thing open and uh, undo or revise it again. Because every time you go back uh, to the city council, um, it gives the, the people in favor of the deal the opportunity to say, look, a, a democratic elect, democratically elected body signed off on this thing, not once, but twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't really go to court and argue that you have standing and that you've been punished if on two occasions you have approved this deal. So uh, Rom very effectively locked in the deal and then in typical Rom fashion congratulated himself for improving the deal. That's right. And one of the most frustrating things is that year after year there's an article written either by you or Fran Spielman in the Sun-Times. It seems like you two guys are sort of... I, I did it for years. The last couple of years, I've been happy to let uh, Fran, Fran take uh, run it with it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I, I they, cut you off, but it's basically like, here's uh, once again reminding everybody how much revenue we're missing out on, how much revenue is going to this private company and the investors who uh, re go all the way to the Middle East. Yeah. And uh, I think now my last, my recollection of the last story I read was about a week ago. I talked about it on the air. I believe we are at that point of break even. Uh, my memory is is that uh, we've the the investors who fr effectively this was a loan. That's what this deal is, folks. They lent us one point one billion dollars, one point one six billion dollars, whatever it was, uh, and then in return we turned over to them all the revenues from the parking meters for the next seventy five years. Effectively, the money over and beyond the one point one six billion is interest on the loan. And so at the moment now, I believe they've collected $1.2 billion. So they've made back the upfront. They've, we've repaid them. And now Mick, it's 65 more years free. It's all profit that's going to flow in. And that's the interest that they're getting. If we had just gone to a bank and borrowed the money at what right. the lowest rates and paid them back with the proceeds, we would have saved tens of millions of dollars, if not or, hundreds or what if we go to the bank now and still do it? There's 65 years left on the deal. Is that a possibility? Uh, I don't know. I know the city's in debt already, doesn't want to take on more debts, but is this a, is, are these debts that could be paid back? I think um, uh, Lori, in, in that story you're talking about, Lori Lightfoot said she's going to have a team to look at it and see if there's anything she can do. I hope that possibility is raised. But you're right. Fundamentally, I think there's a very simple way to look at this. It's like... Um, we had this revenue stream and we handed off the revenue stream in, in return for a bunch of money up front. And the parking meter company has already made the amount of money that they've already collected in revenues, the amount of money that they paid the city for it. Um, literally, is every dollar coming in now profit? Probably not because they had to borrow money 
to come up with the cash to, to execute the deal and all that. But the bottom line is they're in really good shape. Uh, they, they've paid off the, uh, they've made up for the initial payment. Now they're probably just, you know, paying the interest on their loan to, to take it out. Everybody, there's no need to get complicated about this. We sold off the city streets for 75 years. And with it, not just the revenue stream from parking meters, but um, the right to dictate parking policy. Because to me, the worst part of this deal isn't just that we underpaid or we were underpaid for it. It is these what's called true up payments where every year the city has to return X millions of dollars to the parking meter company to compensate it for when a space is taken out of commission, whether that's for a sewer line repair, a street festival, whatever, uh, fixing potholes. Anytime you take a metered spot out of commission, the money that that would have been collected in that metered spot, there's a whole formula. We have to send that back to the parking meter company. So I think the story says there was like $17 million or something we returned. I mean, do the math. If there's $15 million, you know, uh, that's that's $150 million every decade. There's six more decades come up. We're going to pay back a good chunk of the money we got in these true up payments. True up now, the argument that has been advanced uh, by people outside the administration, so obviously, you know, they have their own worldview, is that the way to attack this parking meter deal is to examine the circumstances under which it was agreed to. So look for potential conflicts of interest. Look for uh, relationships that have never been revealed about who is uh, working, negotiating on behalf of the city with the parking meter companies themselves. Look for anything that may undermine the deal and maybe force the company uh, to compromise. My sense of it, Mick, that there was no effort made whatsoever by Rahm Emanuel uh, in that first year that first term, excuse me, when he was looking at the, the part or claimed to be looking at the parking meter deal on this front. I don't know uh, if it would have been successful had they pursued that. I do not know that. Um, is it time? Is it too late now for Lori Lightfoot to seriously examine it on this issue? Do you think she has the the will to do this? Is she, you know, she's a corporate lawyer. She kind of comes from the same community of lawyers and negotiated the deal in the first place. Maybe she doesn't want to upset that apple cart. Do you have any sense of where we're going to go uh, with the parking meter deal under Lori Lightfoot? Only what she said. I mean, um, she said she's going to look at it. Rom said he was going to look at it. But Rom also at that time had a couple of other potential private privatization deals that were out there floating. I mean, he was uh, at one point in time, he tried to reshop the Midway privatization deal. Um, I think they were talking about selling off part of the water system at one point in time. And so there was clearly a concern. And I heard this from people in the administration, close to the administration at that time. There was a concern that if they found a way to undo the parking meter deal, it would set a precedent that we're not good for our end of the bargain if there were other other deals that the city wanted to enter into. So there was a potentially a dangerous precedent the city would set if it uh, weaseled out of the deal. I'm using the weasel from the standpoint of people who are working on these deals. If the city's a weasel, it's not going to live up to its end of the bargain. Why would anybody go into a deal with them ever again? So that was a real concern, as I understand it, that time. Um, I don't think Lori has that concern. At the very least, uh, she knows that the political appetite for these kinds of deals is nil at the moment. And um, unless we entered some sort of real crisis, and even then, I can't see her uh, wanting to go down the road of another big privatization deal. No, that, that the only good thing to come out of the parking meter deal I would say, uh, is that it may have, for once and all, well, I'm always worried before I make a grand pronouncement about Chicago, uh, but it has uh, definitely uh, reduced our uh, our appreciation of privatization deals. Let's put right. it, because they were heralded back in the days of daily. It seemed like free money. That was how it was presented, free money. Free money. There is no such thing as free money, folks. Never. All right, now we're going to move on to the next topic. Number yeah. three. <laughs> forget that. Wait, that's the free money? Parking meter. Oh, yeah. Uh, that sounded like a little Floyd. I was me. just going to yeah. I always say that. Very. 
Mick Dumpke. Uh, money! Doom, 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 doom. Is it, it always comes back to 70s rock and roll for Ben and I. For 10 trivia points, what year did that album come out? Make 1973. Very good. The name of the album? Dark Side of the Moon. Very good. On the Billboard. <laughs> Let's wrap it up, boys. On the Billboard Top 100 charts for years and For years. years. All right. That's not what we're talking about. All right. What's, what's next? Uh, council reorganization. <laughs> the city council is infinite wisdom, Mick Dumpke. It looks as though they want to position Tom Tunney, one of your favorite aldermen from the 44th Ward, as chairman of the Finance Committee. A little backup here. The previous chairman, a gentleman named Ed Burke, is now facing uh, federal charges, criminal charges, of using his property tax business as a way you know, of like extorting money from people seeking favors from the city. They have to hire his firm. So that was the only thing that got him removed as finance chair. Right. It, was not, it was not enough, I should point out, to deter the good people of the 14th Ward uh, to re-electing re- him. him but him. okay, who's to, who am I to say anything about the people of the 14th? Tom Tunney uh, is a long-standing st- uh, alderman from the 44th Ward on the north side of the city of Chicago. McDumke, you know this as well as I do. He has signed off uh, onto every single stupid financial project put forth by Mayor Daley and Mayor Rahm, uh, including the parking meter deal, including every TIF uh, handout. Every major initiative from either of those mayors. And major initiative. Um, the fact that he is being seriously considered to being put in charge of the Finance Committee, which oversees every single contract, every single financial deal, every single TIF deal in the city of Chicago. He would be the overseer of all that. The fact that they're seriously putting his name out there as the business community's representative, like he's got this business sense. We just talked about what a bad deal this was for the taxpayers. But suddenly, this guy's got great business sense. He should be the head. To me, Mick says that we've learned nothing, absolutely nothing, over the last 30 years. Do you agree with me on that? Well, who is we? We, the people of the city of Chicago. Ah, yeah. Okay. Well, the people of the city of Chicago are not voting on a finance committee chair. And if they were, I don't think it would be Tom Tunney at this Uh, point. All right. Let me amend the sentence. The city council has learned nothing from the last Well, apparently the majority of the city council has learned something, which is that um, we can't return Ed Burke to his throne. But we're we're, going to try to get somebody else in there who's who's one of ours. Tom is, uh, as I understand it, very well liked as a person by others in the city council. And this is part of a stop Waggus, stop Scott Wagusback effort. Scott Wagusback, the leader of the Progressive Caucus, I know a guest on your show on a number of occasions, um, and uh, a key ally of Lori Lightfoot, the mayor-elect, and uh, you know has uh, put himself out there as uh, interested in being the finance committee chair. And uh, initially, there were other aldermen who also wanted that position, and uh, they decided to to rally around Tom Tunney as the most likely alternative to Scott uh, Wagusback as what was described to me as an all-out effort uh, to stop Scott. That's really what it's about. It's it's less about Tom, with all due respect to Tom, uh, than it is about not Scott. Mm. Well, it Tom is the not Scott uh, candidate, which is really a bizarre thing because. Uh, help me, Mick. I, I I've said this to you many times when when I'm ranting and raving with uh, on the phone. Uh, the city council is just another extension of high school. There's the popular kids and the not so popular kids, and it seems based that the the opposition to Scott Wagusback is they don't like him. He makes them look bad. He uh, takes stands that exposes the inconsistency, the hypocrisy, the double standards, uh, the corruption of, of their inside deal. So as a result, uh, they're going to punish him for having taken brave stands by denying him the opportunity to achieve a goal that he would like in his personal career, which is to be a budget-minded chair of the finance committee, something that we presume would be good right. for the city of Chicago. We're going to punish you for for that. That's how I view it. Do you? Is it more complicated? Than no, that? I don't think it's that much more complicated. I I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's like literally they don't like him or it's just uh, they're describing him in terms of oh he doesn't get along with people that well because. 
He's not one of the followers. He hasn't bought into the city council culture since he got there. And um, you're right, that alienates people and it scares people because there's a lot of little fiefdoms in the city council and everybody's worried they're gonna get stripped away. So that's what this is about. It's about not just the finance committee chairmanship, but it's about all the other chairmanships. It's about all these other little funds that people have access to. It's these little pockets of power and they're worried that that um, if, if the finance committee chair goes, so goes the rest of it. Do you have a sense? Let's get a prediction here. I've, I've been in, the, in this uh, studio all day, so I've been locked away from the news. I have no idea what the updates are. For all I know, this has already been settled, and I'm just not aware of it. So who do you predict will be the next finance chair of the Chicago City Council? Uh, Scott Wagespeck or Tom Tunney? Or someone else. Um, I predict Scott Wagespeck, I'm going to go on a limb and say it won't be either of them. I predict Scott Wagespeck will become a committee chair, um, but they'll find somebody else who is uh, neither a member of the Progressive Caucus nor a member of the old guard, uh, someone who is sort of uh, middle of the road. uh, I'm just guessing here. I'm just, there's a number of aldermen who... Uh, usually vote with the mayor, but every once in a while they'll pro- pro- you know propose something reform-minded kind of thing. I, I'm just saying. I think Brendan be, Riley is that who you're suggesting? Brendan Riley, a Pat Dowell, somebody somebody like this who is you can say I've got a fresh face. I've got someone who's qualified, who's not part of the old guard, but also isn't Scott Wagespeck, who's on the other end of the spectrum. That's just a guess. Was Brendan Riley in the city council when they voted on the parking meter deal? He voted for the parking meter deal. I, I think uh, that is just a qualifi- qualification. It has to be one of the five who voted no on the parking meter deal, and three of them have left the city council. Well, who did, did Brendan vote no on the second parking meter deal? I think that... Um, and I, I don't disagree with you. Like that was, you should have seen that one coming from the beginning. Even I saw but it coming. If you voted for the second one too. Yeah. That is certainly yeah. a disqualification. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember. At one point, you and I were like utterly obsessed with that story. Uh, I just cannot remember. But yeah, I think you may be on to something. I think you're right. It's just a guess a because compromise. And, and honestly, if I were advising Lori, I would I would advise her to do something like this. Um, not that I like this solution personally, but I just think politically you can't go into the office. She's never held an elective office before. You cannot have an all out war to start the job. I think she's going to have to broker some kind of truce. Um, and let's step back from the set for a second and, and acknowledge the fact that mayors aren't even supposed to pick the that committee is chairs. That's a valid point. And for years, uh, reformer types have said it's time for aldermen to pick their own committee chairs. And now that I, we're in this I, situation, we just heard Scott Wagespeck a week and a half ago on our show say, well, the council's not ready to pick yeah. its own committee chairs because we see what could happen if, if they do. It's sort of what I hear about. This is a uh, perhaps an obscure analogy for people who don't follow any international politics. But, you know, when Egypt finally held an election after Mubarak was <laughs> yeah. deposed yeah. and then the Muslim Brotherhood got elected to lead Egypt. And yeah. everyone's like, well, we want a democracy, but, but we, we didn't, didn't want, want those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Uh, wow. I, the analogy from Egypt to the city council <laughs> make donkey. I'm sure a lot of aldermen would have appreciate being compared with the Muslim Brotherhood. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Number four. Wow, you're keeping track really well. Uh, This will be a shameless plug for Mick's latest uh, article in ProPublica. Although I saw it somewhere else, too. Where else did I see it? It's been on the Daily Line and in Block Club Chicago as well. Guys, guy's a freaking empire he's building there, medium. Talk about Rupert Murdoch. There's McDumkey. Uh, this one was a fascinating. It's, I urge absolutely everybody to run. Don't walk. Read it. If you want to know how the game is played in the city of Chicago, make, take a moment to, to tell people what you uh, uncovered. Well, what I did was try to really dive into the committee system. We we're just talking about the committee chairs. Most people don't know what the committees do. They're supposed to, um, you know, as in c- committees in Congress and at the state legislatures, other city councils around the country, legislative bodies around the country, a committee is supposed to um, 
vet legislation, provide oversight on a particular subject area. So in the city council, they have 16 committees. They range from the aviation committee to the zoning committee. And uh, But the difference is in, in the Chicago City Council, uh, the committee committees don't do a whole lot of genuine legislative activity, genuine oversight. <laughs> putting a they, they rubber stamp a <laughs> yeah. lot of things. Um, even when they do hold uh, long hearing, long involved, seemingly involved hearings, such as for Lincoln Yards, um, that's only done after the votes have already been counted. Uh, the, there's really not legislation that comes up for a hearing or a vote where it's not assured that the mayor and his allies are going to win. So the legislative uh, committee process is generally a sham. And I tried to document that and also show um, there are there's a total of about $6 million allocated to the budgets of these committees. They're supposed to hire staff to do things like independently investigate or look at the budget or look at the parking meter deal, these kinds of things. They don't. Mm. They use the money to hire staff who turn around and do work in their wards. Uh, one alderman uh, was paying for payments on an SUV for himself, uh, <laughs> bought some office furniture, it was delivered yeah. to City Hall. Which alderman um, was that? Uh, Anthony Beal. Anthony Beal, 9th Ward, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you can go on down the list. Um, you know, the, uh, the number of positions for these committees that are in the budget has nothing to do with the number of people who are on the payroll. So there are many, many patronage armies in a, or, or many patronage operations at a time where um, there's not a lot of uh, money available for other kinds of patronage. So it's really, Ben, it's one of the last little glimpses of old school politics um maybe i shouldn't say last but it's it's a it's a glimpse of uh slush funds and old school politics well i my sense of it is that it will continue under Lori lightfoot uh for the reasons that you stated earlier uh if Lori lightfoot is to get her initiatives through the city council with the least amount of resistance Uh, The fastest way to do that is to give some little goodies uh, to the aldermen at sort of as in exchange for their votes. It doesn't really take much to buy an alderman's vote. We've talked about this many times at the hideout. And so if you give an alderman uh, uh, the title of chairman of the We Love the Chicago Bulls Committee, very important committee in the city of Chicago, if we had one. (laughs) If you say so, Mr. (laughs) Mayor or Ms. Mayor, Uh, you know, that and that that we loves the Chicago Bulls uh, committee has five positions, each one earning about $100,000 a year. That's $500,000. And then you have like uh, an expense account so you can have publication. You have to subscribe to uh, Sports Illustrated. Of course you You, do. You know, you have to get the ESPN app so you can follow things. So uh, throw it all in there. We're going to need coffee to do this work. We we have coffee. Let's Let's hire a coffee company, a catering company, which by the way, did happen finance committee funds <laughs> thank you ed burke one more time so uh you know and that buys peace and you put uh, uh mick dumpke the alderman of the 51st ward in charge of the bulls committee uh mick will be forever in your debt and will vote whatever you want you will say we're gonna vote today that the earth is uh flat not round mick will get up in the council go that is an excellent idea madam mayor and uh so it's a small price from lori lightfoot's uh vantage point mick uh to pay for peace uh, um, which is why Rom did it as well. I mean, you know, Rom. Remember, Rom talked about reforming the committee system too. He threatened to uh, dethrone Ed Burke. Mm-hmm. Of course, Ed Burke was uh, one of the people behind a challenge to uh, Mayor Emanuel's uh, residency when he was trying to stay on the ballot in 2011. Um, so. Uh, but quickly, once he won the election, he realized he it was better and easier to have Ed Burke on his side than as an opponent. So I, I get it, Ben. I mean, Lori's going to have to make some of these uh, some of these concessions. Well, I don't uh, believe in the notion. I disagree with the notion. I've already been 
uh, <laughs> most people disagree with me in this, Mick. Uh, I don't believe that she needs convincing majorities. I don't think anything matters. In the city council, uh, you get 25 votes, and uh, the mayor is the 26th vote. So you need 25 votes. There you go. And that's, I, this notion that you need 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, I just don't buy it. Uh, I think that if you have a legitimate issue that you're championing, uh, people in the city, and you present your case strongly to the people of the city of Chicago, and the other side uh, does not have a legitimate point of view, you're the mayor, I think you can win. If you Absolutely. don't, they, they've won when they have illegitimate ideas. Right. So. Well, that's, the, and it's just like the notion that the only way to get anything done is through favor trading is a very old school Chicago, so Chicago. approach to stuff. Yeah. Other, other, People do it different ways. That you're right, and especially in this day and age, they go before the public. They use social media, they use television to make a case. They they try to do actually what Rahm Emanuel tries to do, which is put people in a box and say, "Well, I've got this great idea. Why don't you show us why you're against this great idea I have?" Um, well, actually, Rahm does both. He, uh, he, <laughs> he gives Ed Burke unlimited control over right. a budget that nobody even knows what it is to buy him off. Right. Uh, and then he twists the arm of some little weakling in the city council to force him to come in along. So Rob plays both ends of the stick there. Yeah. And uh, by the way, the finance committee budget, I found at least a million dollar differential between the line item and the budget. If you are a good citizen looking in the appropriations ordinance passed by the city council, how much budget is there for the finance? Finance committee. It's about $2.2 million. I found more than $3.3 million in spending last year by the finance committee. So it's like the budget, it's phony numbers. Wow. So everything yeah. else is phony in the city. All right. We're moving on to our next topic. <laughs> Number five. Oh, man, he's Take a good. chill pill, man. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get that one? I've had that one for a while. Take a chill pill, man. Uh, <laughs> Take a chill pill. Man. All right, man. I'm taking a chill pill. Just like Rob. By the way, Take Dan, a chill pill, man. Can I just say, you are really good at counting. I'm really impressed. You know, well, you know I did uh, go to elementary school. <laughs> At least I made it through that. <laughs> elementary school. The Alton, Illinois elementary school system. They taught those kids how to count. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Rob, return. All right, Mick Dumkey. Mick Dumkey uh, thinks he's funny and clever. We were at the hideout about a week ago, and we were talking to Scott Waggis back, and uh, Maria Haddon, a newly elected alderman of the 49th Ward. Somehow or other, the subject of Richard M. Daly, the previous mayor, the one before Rom came up, and Scott was talking about the, the difference between which one was better and et cetera. Then Mick Dumkey, oh, he thought he was slick, in front of everybody, turns to me and goes, so Ben, which one do you like better, Daly or Rom? And of course, you know me, I'm always quick on my feet. My response was, habita, habita, habita. Since I spent the better part of the last 20 years blasting both of them, it was a really tough one. So I flipped it around for a column I wrote for the reader. Which one was worse? All right. That, I can't think of... It's hard for me to say which one was better because I didn't right, think they really right. did anything good overall. So which one was worse? Uh, and when all is said and done, Mick, I came down. And folks, you can read this yourself. According to Mick, who knows everything about my uh, writing career, it's already on the line. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I came down. I came to the conclusion that Rahm is worse than Daly, uh, and the tiebreaker uh, was the post mayoral career. Rom has been utterly insufferable. We talked about this already with that. Well, he's still the mayor, so he hasn't even started his post mayoral. Yeah, he career. started it immediately after he said he wasn't running again. Uh, I'm running through the tape, so he didn't do any of the hard issues. He left those to Lori. Gave 2.3 billion to developers that don't need it, and spent all this time writing essays that completely rewrite everything he did. It's insufferable. Daily at least had the decency just to fade away. Uh, and by the way, Daily went the opposite. Direction. You remember, he like put. Uh, he he said, "I'm not going to take any major initiatives down the road." He he puts right. uh, acting head of the schools uh, so that the next mayor would have the courtesy of selecting his or own uh, uh, his um, her own school head. So anyway, uh, so I I came to the conclusion that Rom was worse than Daly. Uh, you uh, were the reporter that was whose life was <laughs> essentially threatened by Richard 
them daily. <laughs> he said he was going to take a musket and uh, stick it up where the sun don't shine. Take a chill pill, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so who do you say was worse, McDumkey, uh, Richard M. Daly or Rahm Emanuel? I think Rahm was worse as well. Why? Well, I think that the, um, I actually don't know that there are substantive differences between their policies. Um, but I do think that um, Daly, either authentically or because he uh, knew the game better than Rahm, um, was able to convince more of Chicago that he was interested in them mm-hmm. and that he was pre- fully present as mayor of Chicago. I think. One of Rahm's many problems is that um, he's been unable to be a leader of Chicago because people have uh, always thought from the beginning that he was governing from uh, 10,000 feet, that he yeah. was uh, uh, leading the things he did as mayor of Chicago. He was doing um, so that he could write uh, op-eds for the New York Times, for instance, about what he was doing rather than was it something that was uh, going to help Chicago. And, and Daly, listen, we know Daly was a politician and he wasn't above uh, a press conference and he wasn't above a fib and he wasn't above, uh, you know, destroying the uh, Miggs field in the middle of the night and um, had contempt for democracy in so many ways, uh, uh, threatened me, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, thought that the FOIA was a joke. Um, we could go on down the list. There were many problems with Daly. Um, but uh, most of the accomplishments that Rahm claims uh, were either initiated by Daly or were the result of luck. And luck is significant in politics. What I mean by that is Rahm is talking about the city is in a better financial position than Daly was, uh, than it was when he took over. And that, um, by uh, the measures I've seen, appears to be correct. However, um, uh, Daly left basically during a recession. Um, we're not in a recession now. And uh, most of the long-term issues uh, that Daly left us with, like indebtedness and pension payments, um, are only eight years worse than they were when Rahm took over. So I, um, the structural budget deficit, which uh, everybody is the amount of money we overspend each year uh, versus tax collections versus how much we're spending, that has gone down. That's 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 good, but we haven't really made much progress on these longer term issues. We're a recession away from being Correct. right back where we were. And so, uh, well, let's give Rom credit for not um, having been a mayor while there was a recession. Correct for getting out <laughs> while he can, while he can still do a victory lap. Okay, that's the mistake Daly made in the quest to uh, beat his old man's record for longest serving mayor of Chicago. He stayed a term or two too long. I would say, well, yeah, he should have left after two. 2000, uh, he should have left after 2003. And uh, it was all downhill those last eight years. Even Daly's supporters agree with me on right. that one. I had issues with him. <laughs> of course. Of Before course. the 2003. But uh, he, he didn't take he the never fundamental sh- political lesson of getting out while the getting's yeah. good. And it's like Jordan coming back for the Washington you know, Wizards. Yeah. I mean, the, Trip number three, undo your retirement the second time. You had the storybook ending. Leave. I know. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I will not, under any circumstances, compare Rom or Mayor Daly to Michael Jeffrey Jordan. (laughs) All right. You're asking too much for me, McDumkey. All right. That's McDumkey. We're eye to eye on that one. Uh, Rom is worse than Daly. I'm looking at Dennis. What's your thoughts, Dennis? I wasn't around for uh, uh, the daily. That's days, called so. ducking and dodging. Yeah. He's learned a few <laughs> things from all these politicians. Oh, yeah. Who've showed up in here. All right, Mick, it's a blast. We're going to do this on a regular and basis. And I'm, I'm going to add one thing before we sign off. What's that? We, um, we may have to eat a slight bit of crow on this. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven aldermen who voted against Rom's version of the parking meter deal. Ooh. Okay, so there were fi- only 5 who okay. voted against Daly's. All right. That the original worst parking meter deal. Okay. Um, 5 who voted no and then there were 5 who uh had the courage uh, to uh not vote at all and skip out. Um who weaseled out of the vote altogether were absent. 
Uh, so who were the there, 11 that voted no? There are 11 no votes, including okay. um, several aldermen we have mentioned here. Okay. Uh, do you have any guesses? Are you, uh, okay, so the, wait, time out. Okay, I could do this. Okay, I could do this, all right? I'm a geek, I'm a nerd. All right, now, uh, wait, so I need to know this. Is this 11 no votes or 11 vote either no or did... These are 11 no votes. As opposed to people who were not on the Correct. On the floor. I, yeah, oh, no. Wait, oh, they're, they're hiding under... Come on out and vote! <laughs> they're hiding out with all the Republicans. No, no uh, profiles in Courage who skipped out. All right, uh, I will now... This is 11 people who voted, voted no, no here we go. against Rom's Week of the Perky meeting. Right, give me the ball. Boom. All right, here we go. Uh, Scott Wagesbeck. One. One. Uh, John Arena. Two. Uh, okay, so this would have been uh, in 2013. Am I correct? Right? You are correct. Okay, uh, so uh, Robert Fioretti. Three. All right. Um, oh, my God. I'm so nervous. Uh, Leslie Hairston. Four. Um, all right, let's see. I'm trying to remember if anybody was still in the city council. Okay. Amea Pawar. Five. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. Um, who's the progressive caucus? Uh, but they're... Oh, um, uh, uh, Rick Munoz. No. Uh, what a wimp, Rick. You were cutting a deal. God damn. Uh, all right. I, uh, Nick Spazzato. Come on, Nick. No, no, Nick. No. Nick, that's think of, Think about the original no votes. You missed one more of the original no uh, votes. Well, Tony Preckwink was Cook County president. She was a no vote. Uh, I said Scotty Waggisback. I said Leslie Hairston. Uh, and, oh, Ray Colon was Ray still in the Cologne. city council. He huh? voted Ray. no again. I forgot. So you six. were still in the council at six. All right. Who are the other five? Ray Cologne, let's just pause one moment. Oh, come on. Ray Cologne, all right? Twice. He was ushered out of office. Uh, you know, Carlos Ramirez Rosa said he wasn't liberal enough, didn't take care of the ward. Ray Cologne, we haven't forgotten. You twice voted against this parking meter deal. Okay. Right, give him credit, Ray Cologne. Give him yes. credit. All right, so who are the other five? Okay. Um, Michelle Smith, 43rd ward. Michelle Smith, okay. She was not even there for the first vote. Correct. All right. Harry Osterman, ah, 48th Ward, Harry. also not there for the first vote, yeah, I don't think, right? Okay. Uh, Deborah Silverstein from Whoa. the 50th Oh, that's Ward. right. I, and and I, was, I should have known her because I, I uh, moderated the debate, one of my great, Deborah Silverstein versus Bernie Stone in, in the runoff for 50th Ward Alderman. I was the moderator and she pledged there and then, I will not vote. So she really had no choice because she was running against Bernie on that issue. So. And, and, and Bernie, may he rest in peace, um, uh, was, the, <laughs> yeah. was the alderman who said to me when I, on, on live television, yeah. when I asked him, how long before you voted on this deal did you know about the terms of it? None of your damn business. <laughs> I love Bernie Stone. Bernie Stone. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> and there's two others we've mentioned earlier in the show. Brendan uh, Riley. Brendan Riley. That's uh, number 10. And, and who else did we mention? Tommy Tunney? Tom Tunney. Uh-oh. Tommy Tunney. Right. So the, apparently the north. No, that's that comes true. The north side. The, the parking meter deal was so unpopular on the north side of Chicago right. that no alderman, even Tom Tunney, could not vote for it. Well, James Kappelman voted for the second oh, one. And so, did, so did, of course, Pat O'Connor. And your boy, Joe Moore. Joe Moore voted for the second one. <laughs> Mick and Joe, like Unreal. that, folks, Unreal. like that. All right, so there you go. So Tommy, you'll say, I voted no. Make me the chairman. All right. Well, I say if you vote, <laughs> if you voted yes on the first one, that automatically disqualifies you. Uh, Mick Dumpke, it's been a blast. We'll that bring was it, fun. Yeah, it was do a it lot again. of fun. We'll do it, definitely do it again, and maybe we'll throw in a sports item or two. Dr. D, great job. See you on Tuesday, everybody. Take a chill pill, man. Chicago for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah!